Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nottingham Playcast. The podcast is about to begin. Please take your seats. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Nottingham Playcast. My name's Michael. And my name's Fraser. This month I interviewed choreographer for Sweet Charity Alistair David. But first... We have a chat between Beth Schuler and Tom Powell, the creative team behind I Dare You, the upcoming show in the Neville. So I'm here with Tom Powell, who is a writer and an actor. Um, and we're sat in my dining room. Lovely dining room. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm here with Beth Schuler who is a director, writer, um, artist development coordinator in Nottingham Playhouse, and I would say a friend as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just put it out there. You didn't mention it, so I was a bit... I'm still going to go for I it. I kept it really professional then. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, yeah. We're not friends at all. No. Here we are. So we're sat in my dining room, and we're going to chat about, kind of, well, how do we meet Tom? Um, we met last year, early last year, at the uh, Royal Court Writing Group, um, do you remember the first session? It's quite hazy for me. Uh, I remember being really scared because yeah. I didn't know anyone. <laughs> and uh, Which was hilarious because I was older than at least half the room. But I remember being quite intimidated because everyone came from London apart from me and one other person. Yeah, yeah. That's what I remember about the first session. See, I, I also remember being like really scared or intimidated yeah. by it. And I think also uh, as... As a, as a building for writers, you know, it, it's it, it's it tried, it's tra- legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's something that is a little bit scary there. But what yeah. really reassured me was that the room we were in, uh, like the, I think it was the Claw Outhouse, just like smelled a bit, <laughs> smelled a bit funny. So I was like, oh, it's just a normal place. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and actually, and I remember being really excited because you just knew that everybody in there was really talented and interesting, mm. and I was really looking forward to reading their work hearing different voices and yeah that felt really exciting like yeah it felt like a whole kind of box of presents or something to open yeah absolutely I can't I, remember meeting you for the first time I have that effect on people <laughs> so sorry yeah no, no, no one can it's almost like we've never met um I, I, I think it I mean because that first session we did a couple of odd exercises but I think yeah that I, that I really enjoyed um one of them where you uh, for each year of your life you write down a word and then you uh, draw a, a, almost like a, a murder silhouette around yourself on a bit of paper uh, mm. and then write a monologue involving these words involving your childhood but uh, we all then went to the bar I think it was probably there that we properly met not in an anxious writing way but in a kind of like a anxious drinking way yeah I remember we drank a lot of red wine as a group mm-hmm. that was like our group drink yeah, I think I've drunk more red wine in that group than I have at any point before or since um, yeah, and I, I was really excited about having a discount card the Royal Court, <laughs> just for those those few weeks we were there. Yeah, <laughs> for like eight weeks we were like we're part of this. Yeah, because it makes you feel like you yeah it makes you feel like you belong. Yeah. You walk up to the bar and there's a little bit of pride in showing that, and that's something you've done for um, Amplify artists as well, right? You've kind of yeah yeah. <laughs> it's really important to me that artists feel part of a building or feel that there's that they've got ownership and membership or something. So yeah, if you're an Amplify member, you get a, a discount card that's the same stuff, so you get twenty five percent off. That is a very good discount, actually. I think that's more than the Royal Court discount as well. So, nice. We like to be generous. <laughs> actually, I say we. Uh, Playhouse Bar and Kitchen. <laughs> I've been very generous. Thank you, Playhouse Bar and Kitchen. That was how we met. And then I'm directing Tom's play, I Dare You, which <laughs> is coming to the Playhouse at the end of uh, September. And that's being supported, or the whole journey of that process has been supported by uh, both uh, Inga Company and Curve and Nottingham Playhouse. Yeah. But that kind of came about through a whole kind of range of things really so when we finished 
the Royal Court course, yeah. we began meeting in London because I was working in London so three days a week at that point, and we used to meet one lunchtime at Soho Theatre yeah, yeah, yeah. for lunch and to yeah. write. Writing can be very lonely. It's always yeah. nice to meet other people who are also freelancing can be very lonely. Because um, you were at the Almeida directing, uh, were you the middle of the tricycle directing at that time? No, you're the, you're no the... I was like, working at Almeida with yeah. uh, the young company. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just nice to meet with a couple of the writers. Like, a couple of the Royal Court guys used to come and meet us there. And we used to read. And, we, and one day you went, we read my play, and I went, yeah, sure. Yeah. I think I was procrastinating from not writing my own play at the time. <laughs> I think it was, because yeah. we got a draft. I know why, it's because we got a draft due in at the Royal yeah. Court. And we were like, I think I was doing anything except writing. Yeah. Which seems to be As, quite a feature of writing. Yeah, I think so. I think writers' houses are never more clean than, you know, the, the day, the week before a deadline. Even something that is sparkling gets scrubbed again and again. And I'm very slovenly generally, so actually it's pretty good yeah. to have a deadline for that reason. Committed to bleach <laughs> by a major way on the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you, so you emailed it over and I sat next to you and I read it. And I was like, this is brilliant. So when That's I, very kind. Thanks. Uh, when I read a script, um, I know when writing's good but not my taste and I know when writing needs work and and obviously some of that stuff's subjective but um, I used to script read and other things like that and I remember reading it and I could see it in my head and for me that's usually an indication that it's something that I would really like to be involved in as a director is that I can like I could hear the sound score underneath it and I just my imagination began to really like do fun things and I was like oh I want to tell Tom that I want to do his play but what if he says no this is going to be so awkward <laughs> so I think I turned to him and went Tom can I do your play? <laughs> and I think I was uh thinking about ordering a coffee so I'm like, very surprised <laughs> you were really cagey yeah I was very cagey when you read it and said you wanted to do it um, mainly because I was very surprised and very delighted um, and that was well that was last April and we're, we're speaking now in, in August 2018 and that was April yeah. 2017 yeah so I remember so then um, I spoke to Hannah Stone who I knew Nottingham was a sort of up-and-coming producer and I said to her I've, I've read a script and I really want to do it and I want to do it in East Midlands and I would really like to work with you as a producer because I know that you're brilliant at it and I knew she was looking for some projects and then you didn't say yes straight away which was actually really savvy of you and really good that you didn't just go great <laughs> someone else do my play which I, yeah. I think is really important that you get the right team together and so yeah. you said I'd like to come to Nottingham and for you to pitch it to me yeah I mean I think there were sort of two reasons behind that mm. um, one of which is because I'd previously been working with some people towards the production of that play yeah. and that was a very frustrating and unfulfilling experience and also mm. because someone else was interested and wanted to do the play as well which to be honest is an absolute luxury that has not ever happened before and maybe will never happen again in my career um, that multiple people want to do the same thing but I remember coming back to Nottingham and um, what was the name of that pub that we, we met sat in? We sat in the Mont Cross which is yeah. just closed Was it? I thought yeah. it was beautiful because um, we sat on the, the top tier um, we sat under the in the lovely under the glass yeah. ceiling. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know. I was. I mean, speaking to the two of you about it, you both just clearly like understood and and got it in a way that is um, in a way that I can't really do justice to in words. It was just like a really energizing, sort of brilliant conversation to have with two people who so clearly like understood understood what it was. Um, and so, to be honest, after that, I was it was very clear to to me that I would, would be delighted to work with. With you and with Hannah, and obviously the team's expanded now. We've got um, Rhea yeah. and Tilly, who are wonderful, um, on, on the play. So tell me how you got into writing. Great question. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? I didn't know that I always wanted to be a writer. I was in a play in my first time at university, and um, for the after party, everyone got very, very drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I cycled back to where I was living um, with a friend of mine. Um, I think she was walking, but I was cycling. I was too drunk to be cycling. 
I fell off my bike, I smashed my face, um, my front tooth went through my lip and I got seven stitches. And what had been like an okay start to university life became sort of like three weeks of not being able to talk. <laughs> like, like not at all being so able to talk. So it's not funny, but it is quite oh, funny. it's kind of funny. Um, and during that period of time, I did some writing because I, there wasn't that much else I could do. And I was finding okay. things really quite frustrating. And I'd written, you know, little things before, mm. but I think it was... Uh, it was it was then I sort of was like okay maybe there is something mm. here that I, I want to want to work with for me when I was starting to write at that point in time I was trying to write things that I cared about and I thought were interesting but I was always trying to fit them into these kind of I don't know like Ibsen shaped boxes which weren't ways that I thought actually but were kind mm. of just ideas that what I thought theatre should should be like you know so I sort of started then really and I've, um, no one's been able to stop me since. <laughs> they've tried they they really have tried yeah 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 at which point did you feel that you began to that kind of process of writing a play change from being some of that early work where you're kind of really working out your voice as it were yeah at what point did that so I think actually um I dare you you know the, the play mm. that we're working on is is the first play that I think I wrote that was both of a reasonable length and any good mm. um there's some short stuff before that that I thought was sort of all right but um, what happened there was I'd written yet another dreadful play <laughs> um, and I'd, I got a strict deadline and um, I'd handed that dreadful play in and I had to, to meet like a mentor about it. Mm. Um, and they started the meeting off by saying like, they'd had some terrible accident and like they'd not been able to like read the play, they hadn't had time. Yeah. And I was so relieved. I was like, thank you. I'm, I, I'm so glad you didn't read that play. Can you give me one week or maybe it was two weeks? Can you give me two weeks and I'm going to write something completely different? Mm. Um, and then like very quickly very instinctively like very from the gut um, I wrote uh, not the whole of but like a, a big chunk of what became the first draft of I Dare You and that was just a very different way because it was it was not allowing any thought into that process mm. actually how do you find that like how because I think it is really difficult to um, to get rid of those voices and to I don't know if also if you have them when you're directing as well or is it something you think is specific to the writing process no I get them both um, the very first play that I wrote Actually, I think I'd written a couple more, but the one that I, I wrote and I directed it for a festival down in the southwest, and I wrote it and I directed it, and it was horrendous because the director in me was having an argument with the writer, and the writer was disagreeing with the director, and I remember thinking I never want to direct my own work ever again, because I felt like two totally different people, because the way that my brain creatively works as a writer and works as a director is two very separate things. Yeah. And so the director was trying to get sort of succinctness and was trying to find a kind of theatrical language for kind of uh, sharing the story and working out how it worked. And the writer was trying to really honour the kind of voice and the language that was emerging out of it, these characters that were emerging. And so yeah. um, it was a bit like needing a dramaturg, except that it was I was trying to do two things at once. Yeah. As a writer, I have a much less critical voice in my head, interestingly. But then I started it much later. I didn't really start properly writing until... I'd done bits, but until I really I turned 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I had things to say at that yeah. point, which I just didn't have before. I felt like all I'd done was... felt less interesting. Yeah. Um, and suddenly at 30, I began to have things I wanted to articulate in a theatrical language. And that started me off, and I'm probably at the stage, I'm right behind you really, I've got I've just got lots of drawers of half plays, <laughs> like I, structures I, and notes and yeah, like yeah, random yeah, things, yeah. and so many kind of documents on the iPad of like things yeah. that I've been thinking about on a train, which at some point will, will yeah. become something. I mean, they're not drawers, they're PDFs, but yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have both, I have cool. actual paper, and also... I respect yeah, that. I've got a very dusty online cupboard um so tell me a bit about some of the themes and ideas in idea where it came from so idea is about emily and solomon mm-hmm. who are a, a sister and a brother and it's um 
two different times in their life. One when their, uh, Emily is eight and Solomon is 12, and one when Emily is 13 and Solomon is 17. Um, and I suppose it's about their families kind of falling apart and them and how this affects them. But also actually about their own worlds and how children experience kind of everything. Not that obviously when you're like 17 or 13, you think of yourself as a child. Obviously you think, I'm an adult. I know everything. Yep. Nothing can hurt me. Nothing can affect me. And so I think, I don't know, siblings mm-hmm. uh, often hate each other, often love each other and um, experience maybe more things in common than lots of other people do and I dare you I suppose is about a trauma about resilience about um the kind of the internal poetry mm. of young people's uh lives and it's about worms who uh, worms, quite a lot of insects there's quite a lot of insects <laughs> in it uh, that's to do with some specific plot stuff that is I think quite fun that maybe I won't say yeah I'm sure me too. yeah so thank you for getting me to describe my play Beth um how would you describe it because actually I think it's it's our play. All art is a work of collaboration. I am not always the most articulate in describing my own work, as you may or may not have heard, depending on the edits. <laughs> How would you describe it? I think you describe it well. It's a coming-of-age story about two siblings um, navigating quite a complex family scenario, how that affects their world and their future. Yeah. And I think we're recording this the evening before the audition process. And for me that day of auditions is almost one of the most important days of the production Mm. because it's quite like a a challenging play technically Mm. because the actors each required to play two different ages, a young and a a more adult version of that character. And whilst doing that, uh, to play um, that character, doing impressions of other people who crop up kind of in the story. And so those two actors are going to be on stage the entire time, are going to have like big demands in terms of age, gender, all that stuff. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, when I read it and I remember ringing Hannah and I was like, we're going to need really good actors for this. So I'm, I'm really excited about casting tomorrow. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> thank you. If you're listening to this new audition, thank you very much. Yeah. I think actors are incredible at what they do and I think the play really hangs on these two characters and the relationship they have and how they kind of navigate this space. It's very funny. It's very dark. It's very hopeful. We keep describing it as, uh, it's like Hansel and Gretel meets Black Mirror because it's got a sort of a slightly magic realist yeah. world around it where you sort of think you're in this sort of quite real scenario and then various things come to light you're like wait a second what <laughs> <laughs> which I really enjoyed reading like I read it several times and I remember Hannah and I being like we did get that right didn't we yeah well yeah I think it's like psychological realism in the sense that everything yeah. that happens is real but it's real to to the interior of that character's yeah. mind you know so yeah I think of it as like incredibly realistic even if some of the things that are happening are sometimes a little bit strange yeah and all of that it's beautiful Tom, it's really nice chatting to you. Beth, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. Great to hear from Beth and Tom there about I Dare You. Can't wait to see the show in the Neville. Now we've got the interview with Alistair David. I've seen a bit of the choreography and it looks amazing. So it'll be really interesting to hear about his ideas and uh, his experience of working on the show so far. So I am here with Alistair David, and we are here to talk all things Sweet Charity. How are you doing today, Alistair? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. So tell us about how rehearsals are going. We're here at Dance 4 in the centre of Nottingham today. Uh, tell us about how week three of rehearsals is going. Yeah, really good. I think we're in a really good place. We've, we've, gone, back, we've gone through the whole play at least once. 
um, very broad brush strokes, and now is the time to sort of go back and detail and really get a, a, a good solid uh, narrative going. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm, there's lots to do, but I think we're in a good place. Fantastic. And you're working with uh, Rebecca Trahern again on this yes. on this production. Tell us about what it's like being back with her and uh, what it's like seeing her take on this role. I love working with Rebecca and I'm very lucky to be working with her a second time. The first time that I worked with her was on a show called Showboat, um, which was in Sheffield and in the West End, where she gave a, a hauntingly beautiful portrayal of the tragic character, Julie, um, for which she deservedly won the Olivier Award. This is very, very different, um, and um, it's, it's really interesting to see her take on Charity, um, who's this sort of very positive, strong-willed character who very simply believes in love and wanting to, to settle down and find a better life for herself. I've seen this show a few times on stage before and I think Rebecca's going to bring a certain amount of vulnerability to the role. I think the audience are going to definitely be on her side. This, it, it, it's, a, it's a hard character to play, I would imagine. There's a lot of words, there's a lot of talking. Charity likes to talk a lot. That's kind of her default um, and so in the wrong hands I think that could be problematic but um, she's doing a, a grand job of, of, um, of bringing this character to life and she just, I love working with Rebecca personally because she's just such a hard grafter she's delightful and charming and um, just very easy it's a very easy process with Rebecca so um, I'm, I'm very grateful. And do you have to take a, a different approach for this character, for the choreography you're bringing to Rebecca and to the rest of the company? Because it's a very different production. Mm, well, this is this um, choreographically speaking, this is quite different from anything I've done before. I think um, someone might correct me on that, but I think um, Rebecca's an actor and a singer foremost. Um, she would probably class herself as more a mover rather than a dancer, but I'm now going to class her officially class her as a dancer because she's just doing fantastic work um, in that department. She's really holding her own against uh, some of the other members of the company who perhaps consider themselves more of a dancer. Um, she's she's going to be really great, I think, and um, she's working so hard. Sweet Charity is a a huge production. Yes. Tell us about how you've approached this as a choreographer. Well, I always, as you used to say, I, I hoped I didn't get offered. Uh, there are uh, uh, titles that are iconic choreographically, namely Bob Fosse material, um, Cabaret being one of them, this being another. I always used to say I don't know how I would ever go about doing that because Bob Fosse's work is just so unbelievably masterful, genius, iconic. Who in their right mind would uh, try and improve on that or change that? However, when um, Adam Penford approached me about doing this, I think I took a different attitude, which is I'm never going to better Bob Fosse's work. 
But as a choreographer, I thought, I'm going to give that a go. I'm going to give Sweet Charity a go. And I feel very, very lucky to um, be given this opportunity. Um, I actually, as a dancer, performed quite a lot of Bob Fosse's material, um, namely the, the Frug, in a show in the West End called Fosse, which was a compilation of Bob Fosse's best work. And the Frug, I think, was the opening of Act Two. So I have danced Bob Fosse's choreography. Um, and you would think that would be a hindrance, but I, get, I guess in a way I've done so much of his work that uh, it's kind of easy for me to steer clear of that language, of that um, um, side of, of the work, approaching the work. So um, it, it, it's, it's a challenge... But it's a challenge I took on fully and completely. And so far, I'm kind of pleased with the results. Um, I, think, I think you just have to have the attitude of nobody is ever going to say, oh my goodness, Alistair David's choreography on Sweet Charity is better than Bob Fosse's. So immediately you drop that pressure. Um, I mean, he conceived this show. He... he that's what's kind of challenging is, is that if you take the frug, which is um, a number in at one, which, where the character Charity and uh, she, she's just met by accident this famous movie star who whisks her into this club. And it's, they're supposed to be these very uh, pretentious, trendy... Um, it's called the rich man's frug. Um, so I guess they're sort of wealthy um you know vips if you like and it's a it's a dance that expresses that but if you take if you take a number like that the the this the storytelling is so important and it's just about expressing um what these characters are through through the movement and you're working in partnership with uh, bill buckhurst yes on this piece yes has that been so far and that must be a great working relationship. I've seen you guys working today in the rehearsal room and it seems to be working really nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's... You never really know when you start working with somebody um, for the first time, particularly if you're sort of put together by an artistic director, which Adam Penford did. Um, it, it's, it's a risky thing because you don't really know if, if it's going to work or not. The relationship between a director and a choreographer is very, very close one. Um, so it's tricky if it doesn't work out. But already um, I feel like we've got great chemistry and we both want the same end result, um, which is really important, I think, if the director and the choreographer don't ultimately want to make the same show. I think you're going to run into problems. I think we absolutely want to make the same show. And um, he's got a very similar style of working to me. Um, somebody a long time ago said that directors and choreographers should end up, by the end of the process, finishing each other's sentences. I don't think we're quite there yet, but um, we're getting there. And um, that's, that's great. That's great to hear. And uh, we are recording this mm -hmm. in the first week of the rehearsals in Nottingham. Mm -hmm. So we've got two, two weeks until we're going to mm -hmm. hit the stage. What does that mean to you that the productions will be on in Nottingham? I know we're all really excited to see it. 
Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, um, um, obviously, uh, the Playhouse has a new leadership, and uh, I think that's really exciting. And um, I think Adam's going to bring some really young, fresh, new audiences to the theatre. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to be part of Adam's first season here. Um, I think it's a really nice opportunity to um, be part of the, the Playhouse producing their first musical in, in a while. I don't know Nottingham very well. This is only the second day I've been here, but I'm very impressed so far. I'm, I'm very impressed by the shopping. There's a lot of shopping, which I'm surprised at, and a lot of nice restaurants, and it seems to be... It seems like there's a really nice energy here, so I hope that um, that energy continues when we start showing or sharing this, this show. Final thing on Sweet Charity. Why should people come and see this show? From what I've seen today, it's been really exciting. There's loads of great movement. Mm -hmm. But why should people come? People should come because it's a uh, fantastic um, musical um, with fantastic songs, really fantastic numbers. They should come because they have a, a stunningly talented leading actor playing Charity, Rebecca Trahan, Olivier award-winning, plus a really exciting, diverse company um, who are super talented and um, are, are an absolute thrill to watch on stage. There's going to be some fantastic dancing. Um, and it should just generally be a really great all-round evening that I hope that many, many people will enjoy. That's great. And what, what's up next for you after Sweet Charity? You must have something on the cards. I have a little break um, because I have just gone non-stop for my last project. Um, and next I'll be going to Manchester to work at the Royal Exchange to uh, choreograph a production of The Producers. Fantastic. So, yeah, that's next. Amazing. Non-stop for you, then? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today, Alistair. You're welcome. Thanks Thank so you. much. Cheers. Thank you. It was great to get the chance to sit down with Alistair and talk about Sweet Charity. I'm really excited to see the show. Yeah, I can't wait to learn some of the routines and give Rebecca Traherne a run for her money. That's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, please find us on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.